Well, we've got another great parable here from our Lord, and uh, it ties in nicely with our first readings as well. Great prophecy from the prophet Ezekiel about baptism, the grace of baptism. <clears throat> and if we can recall, probably maybe in recent over the past year, maybe you've witnessed, a, you know, you've been to a friend's baptism, and when you, what you see is a part of the ritual where you got the lighting of the candle. So the lighting of the candle is a symbol that the light of Christ that comes from the Paschal candle and goes to the little candle that's being held on behalf of the child uh, by a godparent. That is a, the transference of God's grace to the soul of the, from Christ to the soul of the child. That same kind of transference of grace from Christ to the child is symbolized by a white garment. So sometimes it'll be like a little baby bib, or maybe there's a baby, uh, you know a white baptismal gown that's passed down through the family, uh, and that white gown is a symbol of the grace that's given to the child in baptism. And that grace is a gift. It's been merited not by the baby. It's not been merited by the parents. It hasn't been merited by anybody but Jesus Christ on the cross. Um, and that's what Ezekiel's talking about. He's talking about this new heart that's going to uh, sprinkle clean water upon you and give you a new heart. There's this regeneration, a rebirth, a whole new interior renovation that takes place in the soul of the person who's baptized and receives God's grace makes them over into a daughter of God, a son of God, likens them to God in a, in a supernatural fashion. Very, very beautiful um, gift that's given to us through that sacrament and that, that uh, Ezekiel prophesies about. Now in our parable, this guy at the end, he shows up and, and the king comes and says, where's your wedding garment? Okay? It's as if he's saying, what, where's the baptismal garment? And uh, something I heard, I think someone told me that they heard this on, on a radio uh, um, you know, talk show or something. So, so I, I, mean, I, I think it's probably, I haven't researched it, but it's probably true, and, and it's an interesting take on it, is that at that time uh, in Palestine 2,000 years ago, the way that the, the wedding feasts, if they, they, the, there were special like uniforms that you wore, Okay, to the wedding feast. And everybody had to have one of these things on. It showed you that you were part of the wedding party. Uh, but they were given to you by the people who were organizing the feast. So it wasn't like you had to go out and buy your own wedding garment or whatever. It was given to you. It was a gift. So there's really no excuse for this guy not to have it on. Okay, uh, It was a free gift. And he shows up without it. You can't be saved without the grace of God, without that baptismal garment. And that's why then we say to the, to the parents, make sure, you know, this grace has been entrusted to you. Keep the garment unstained. You know, keep it clean. Keep it on. So that when Christ comes again, he'll find it. He'll find you with the, with the wedding garment on or that baptismal gown. Now today we celebrate the, the memorial of St. Rose of Lima. And uh, she has a, a really great passage from one of her readings about grace. So I'm just going to read it to you. This is beautiful. She was a she was a really remarkable saint. Young, she one of these many saints who died young. She was only thirty one when she died, and she really kind of wore herself out with all the pet, the very very severe penances that she voluntarily chose to inflict upon herself. She was born around fifteen eighty or so, died around uh, you know early sixteen hundreds, and um, she wanted to become a nun, but her father wouldn't let her. So she became a third order member of the Dominicans. And she basically created, she took a, a room in her father's house and made it into like a monastic cell. And there she spent uh, the majority of her time in uh, very, very severe penances and, and praying. She was also reputedly a very, very beautiful 
uh, woman, and she had to basically like to carry a stick around with her and beat the guys away from her too. So she was really adamant that she was going to remain a virgin dedicated to Christ. And um, it says that at some point in her life, she got to the point where she was, you know, hardly eating anything at all. She's sleeping only two hours a night. Um, and she did do practical work, though, for the benefit of others. So she would do a lot of needlework and and basically make clothes and things like that for poor people, then go out and actually distribute the, the, the fruit of her you know, handiwork to the poor in in the city. So she was known out and about from her cell as being a woman who did um, a lot of good works for the poor and had a real care for the poor. But she was known primarily for all all this kind of severe prayer uh, penances and the life of prayer that she led. This is what she writes here in one of her journals. If only mortals would learn how great it is to possess divine grace, you know, that, that garment, that wedding garment, how beautiful, how noble, how precious, how many riches it hides within itself, how many joys and delights, without doubt, they would devote all their care and concern to winning for themselves pains and afflictions. All men throughout the world would seek trouble, infirmities, and torments instead of good fortune in order to attain the unfathomable treasure of grace. This is the reward and the final gain of patience. No one would complain about his cross or about troubles that may happen to him if he would come to know the scales on which they are weighed when they are distributed to men. So what St. Rose here is kind of revealing to us, and you have to have a spiritual vision to see its truth, is that the way of the cross and the way of suffering, whether that suffering is chosen by you or better yet, whether that suffering comes to you not of your own choice, which we're all going to encounter that in life. The way of hardship and the way of the cross is the way of grace as well. And uh, it takes a a real, I mean, most of us, myself included, I mean, we don't want troubles. I don't want troubles in my life. I don't want to have hard things happen to me, you know, bad things happen. But from a higher perspective, from God's perspective, we can see that those crosses are given to us so that the great, the gift of grace of, through, that's given to us through baptism gets deeper and our souls become more beautiful. Isn't that neat? She says, how, if people could only see how beautiful grace is. So here you have this woman who was very beautiful and yet she wasn't, uh, um, she wasn't distracted by visible beauty because she was totally, her heart was captured and enraptured by the invisible beauty of grace. And that's what she, she dedicated her life to wholeheartedly. So for us, you know, we're, we're, none of us here are great saints, but you know, we can, we can look to St. Rose and we can say, uh, here's a great example of someone who saw past the ugly surface of various trials and tribulations that we will inevitably encounter in life. She saw past that mask, and and let's do that as well. Let's see past that ugly surface and see behind it all the beauty of the cross because it's the way to the most beautiful thing uh, that we could ever have been given, and that is the grace of baptism.